0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hold on to your
1: butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. Now this affects Iris. Some um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough.
0: Iris, I have a tip for you. Drugs.
1: or whatever movies with wesley and iris
0: what up and welcome to or whatever movies i'm your co-host iris and i'm here with my older brother
1: wesley harry Frankie.
0: <laughs> today we're talking a movie from 2022 available in theaters the banshees of man could be
1: 2022 could be 1922 Could be 1822. I would even venture because civil wars happen all the time. It could be 2122.
0: 2122, like in the future. Yeah.
1: When the zombie apocalypse happens and you find the little island where they can't get to you. And then you have like this, all these little internal dramas just because you can't go anywhere else.
0: It stays all crazy, homogenous and isolated from the rest of the zombie world. Right.
1: If not for that calendar, I would have had no idea. Like it could have spanned three centuries and I wouldn't have been able to pin it down.
0: These little villages, these little remote isolated villages always have this feeling of timelessness.
1: Which I guess is the point, right? In a way.
0: How so? It
1: was just meant to be just like small people with small lives. Not that our lives are grand and important necessarily in the scheme of things. It's just, it felt like even if there were cars or Jetson style spacecraft, they didn't need them. They just walk, you walk to calm Sonny Larry's house and then you walk to the pub, you know?
0: Yep. Life's pretty simple. Pretty straightforward, especially for a dairy farmer that lives in a cottage with his sister.
1: Is that, is that what he was? Was he a dairy farmer? Never once saw him milk anything. He just had livestock.
0: <laughs> well, the animals were definitely his, right? Because Siobhan notes that the animals belong to him, right? Which enables her to kind of just completely abandon the farm without a lot of remorse. But he, the one scene that it was the indicator to me is that he delivers the milk containers to the to Riordan's the general store and the post office and the main store within their small little village town and I assume that's how he gets along that's his livelihood he's a simple dairy milk farmer
1: I mean why bother with currency it would be just as easy to trade milk for Guinness
0: yeah she yes exactly the Riordan should just send his money to the pub tab
1: because it's important not to drink Guinness in your home. That would be sad and lonely. You have to go to the pub and sit in total silence and like and like try to cut people out of your life. But, you know, you have to sit across the pub from them still.
0: I think you're referring to Brandon Gleason's Colm's character insistence on being public and being in proximity with Parick. Right. And yet wanting to completely cut him out of his life. Just him. And Siobhan, which is less straightforward.
1: After watching this movie with Kelly Ray, she said, I will bet you, I bet a million dollars that you can't avoid talking about in Bruges in your review. <laughs> so I'm not going to say anything whatsoever about that movie and collect on that bet. But Martin McDonough did another movie uh, with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson and not saying anything about that movie whatsoever. This was like a story unto itself, but... It's kind of a... no, I can't even say that. But it's it's what Martin McDonough called a very Irish movie. Or maybe Colin Farrell said that. But we we were watching the front the opening with this the shots of the fields with those weird delineating fences and stuff and the cliffs and Kelly Ray piped up and she's like, see, this is exactly what that Wolves of Ireland movie looked like. Look just like that. Wolf walkers. It had those weird undertones like the witch lady with the pipe and stuff. It could have been like a Irish civil discord folk tale kind of thing, right? If you, be, if you betray your, your family or your mates, one of them will cut their fingers off and throw them on your doorstep kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it becomes kind of fantastical in the sense that, yeah, wh- who was that? That was the neighbor that the, so the sister keeps a- avoiding this neighbor and hiding behind walls whenever she comes by. But she's like the village oracle.
1: Yeah, she's just a witch that uh, unfortunately her house or her shack or whatever is on the way to the pub. So you're going to see her on a regular basis.
0: I mean I guess it isn't hard to predict that something is gonna go badly wrong with these two stubborn men butting heads. But <laughs> I mean, she predicts two deaths. Right. And two deaths come to pass.
1: Jenny was definitely a real death.
0: Well, for Pyrek for sure. But no, there were weren't there two actual deaths, or maybe I just counted <laughs> Brendan Gleason's death, even though he doesn't actually die.
1: No, it was the death of Pyrek's innocence.
0: Hey, what's the difference between a donkey and a mule? This is not a joke I'm asking for real.
1: What I know for sure is that mules can't breed with other mules.
0: Right, they're sterile. Because I think you get a mule from a donkey and a horse.
1: Something like that. you got to look at the clear differences in the donkey shite versus the pony shite. And, and which one is stringier and which one is like more hay, hay textured. <laughs>
0: I mean, people might call that dull, but that's pretty specific insight, isn't it?
1: Well, I mean, was Parikh really dull? Like, was he dim and boring? Or was this comb manifesting his mental illness and targeting a specific hapless person?
0: With a toolbox metaphor, I think it's fair to call Parikh dull. He's okay. not the sharpest tool in the in the box. He's probably, if judged on some kind of standard rubric, he's Probably below average. But to his own point, like he's not a bad dude. No you can't exactly fault him for that.
1: No, I don't think so at and all. And
0: apparently he's no different than the hundreds of other boring men on Inishir. <laughs>
1: right. And that's why I wondered why Siobhan turned Dominic down. I didn't think he was a bad dude either. He was really sweet and helpful and when he shot his shot with Siobhan I was like oh that's kind of cute and then she was like no thank you and I was like right but Siobhan what other options do you have on Anna Sharon I get that she had aspirations to go all like Angela's ashes or whatever and or Belfast and peace out but where are you going
0: she has the option not to couple up
1: yeah I guess so
0: I think a person like Siobhan would be better off without Dominic I mean, they had they spent one dinner together and were basically at each other's throats. Yeah,
1: so if Pyrek was a dude looking for a partner, there wasn't really anyone else except his sister. Like, I guess he could have shacked up with the witch or whatever, but otherwise, Colum was kind of the love of his life, like mm. his bud. And they go do the thing, and then he then Colum doesn't want to do the thing anymore that they always do, and it's like feel really bad for the dude. And maybe he's slow, but I don't, to your point, he's not a bad guy. And I don't think he did anything to deserve it. And you can see how happy he is. Like when he first sets off, it's like, it's going to be a beautiful day down to the pub with me make home. And then he's like looking at the water and he's looking at the sky and he's all appreciative. And he I think he's truly happy until his world gets rocked by someone in a position to rock his little world that he didn't think was fragile until.
0: To rock his little rock? Yeah. Well, it was interesting my allegiances kind of shifted over the course of this film because at the, at the top of it, maybe Brendan Gleeson's calm could learn a little something about breaking up. He probably doesn't have a lot of experience with that. He probably could have been a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more delicate to his friend. But maybe he knew. Maybe he knew right off the bat that he needed to take a drastic measure in order to get through his otherwise pretty dense friend's mind but anyway i'm
1: gonna go with that was a little bit too drastic
0: i agree i think that he definitely could have been way more delicate that being said what he was asking was not unreasonable you're allowed (laughs) to not be friends with someone forever no i get it right and so like at first i'm like all right not cool but what are you going to do? He doesn't want to be friends with you. Leave the guy alone. And then he can't leave the guy alone. <laughs> and I'm like, leave the guy alone. Oh, man. And then he starts cutting off his fingers. Spoiler. And I'm like, OK, so maybe this isn't Power Rick's problem.
1: Oh, so you you were originally aligned more with Colum and just saying yes. I don't want to be friends, and that's his right, regardless of right. what the other person did. And then afterwards, yes. when his m- mental illness clearly manifested, you my allegiance
0: okay. sh- my allegiance shifted, and I was like, and I started feeling really bad for Powerik. But then Powerick goes off the rails, and you're like, okay,
1: okay, but you still feel kind of bad for him because he's obviously unwell, right? Which one's unwell? Uh, Colm is obviously unwell at the the lengths to which he goes. He doesn't do anything to Parik. He just kind of does things to himself which are self-destructive, which suggests that his initial action in rejecting him was in a way self-destructive. It didn't seem overtly to affect him because he's all jolly and fiddle-playing and laughing with everybody else except poor Parik. (laughs) But it's true. I was on Column's side initially, too, in a way, but I always felt bad for the pirate character. And, but in this, like, uh, really intimate village setting off the coast of Ireland, it's so, these people are so much more important in, in your daily lives. Until Bridges in Madison County, you do something terrible and then you're forever ostracized.
0: In your small town community? Right. Right. So then, so it's a completely different mindset. You, you, The only way that you avoid people is by completely isolating in your own small cottage or by strategically taking the other milk path or the other path to church or the other path to, this, to the pub or going to the pub at different times, which Colm doesn't want to avoid Potterick to the extent that he would inconvenience himself in those ways.
1: Nope. But when Siobhan shoves off to the mainland and she says, you should come to Pyrik. you should come to a place like a big city where the people aren't all bitter and terrible. And I was like, whoa, wait, the island people are bitter and terrible. But when huh. it's that tightly knit and there's a couple of bad apples in the bunch, like it's going to be, I, I, I guess I can understand it. It was just shocking to me that that would be how it is. I guess it's the same thing because you and I never came from the small town in Ohio. Like so many of our contemporaries did where you got to break out and go to the big city or whatever mm-hmm. and like magically find massive amount. Like it's the, the drive and determination that gets you out of some like bumpkin town and into the big city. And then all of a sudden you're editing like Jam and the holograms and star Wars and stuff. And you're like, what the hell? Maybe because we never had to make such strident strides It was never required, for me at least.
0: To break out?
1: I moved farther away from L.A. than I was.
0: Well, yeah, but the point is that...
1: (laughs) That people are generally... There's always the terrible element, regardless of how good or idyllic the setting.
0: Sure, and a lot of it is what you make of it. I thought it was interesting that Siobhan being probably 50% of Podrick's life was not enough to compel him... To move to a place where there was another bed next to hers in a bedroom in the big city. Like he was so rooted in his existence, in the familiarity of his existence, that there was never a question on either of their parts, Siobhan's or Parik's, that he would ever leave in a oh,
1: His pet sitter died. But I also don't think he would have been tempted, regardless. I don't know, man. There's a, there's a kind of freedom and yet a kind of limitation, right? They couldn't, some of them couldn't transcend their limitations, Dominic and and Podrick. But Siobhan certainly got out. But even Dominic bucked convention. You know, you want to ride to church? Ah, feck them gobshites! you know? And I was like, man, Dominic is his own man. But not nah.
0: really. I, I mean, I definitely think that. It's so funny that you like Dominic because he was so vulgar and base. Yeah,
1: he was just a kid. He w- he seemed like he could have been like a, a Dublin punk kind of kid, all rebellious or whatever. He was like the color. He probably interested Colm much more than Podrick did.
0: Maybe. I mean, I don't know. It seemed like Podrick found him to be vulgar and dull.
1: I think Dominic was more of a, of a Martin McDonough character, like a hood rat and got, has got a conscience and a heart and everything, but still... He, like, gets beaten up an awful lot and says the wrong things and is generally stupid.
0: (laughs) And what a great performance by Barry Keegan, who we've discussed in American Animals, where he played an American teenager. We also talked about him in The Green Knight. Yep. And I can see a through line in the types of characters that he plays. This wasn't a huge departure for him necessarily, but he really stood his ground basically between two titans in this movie.
1: Oh, yeah, I agree. And uh, his was the most subversive character. It seems like everything Pyroch had was on the surface and on his sleeve. And while Colum didn't have anything overtly simmering under the surface, we kind of had to infer what his deal was and what his problem was. He wasn't a terribly complex character on the surface, whereas I think Dominic had a lot more going on. He was kind of raging and insistent and all over, all up on Siobhan and stuff, but he had the terrible stuff going on at home and, and wanted to be an assertive terrible. character, but was always under his dad's thumb. The policeman, definitely the worst guy in the movie. And you see him stripped down quite literally and, you know, kind of diminished from the, the start. Like you see this policeman and then all of a sudden he's naked and his kid is stealing his booze and he's totally oblivious, but he was the worst dude in this movie, I think by far.
0: Oh, he was detestable, and yet you also feel the underlying despair of that character, of all the characters. And Brendan Gleason's column is the only one to identify it. And I think when it comes to the surface, all hell breaks loose on an Yeah,
1: but it's not to say that he's the one monster.
0: Who? The policeman?
1: The, the, the sheriff.
0: It bubbles up in all of them, and in a person like the policeman... It, it bubbles up in, in violence, right? He's violent against his child. He's violent against Parik in a very public fashion. He's verbally abusive to Siobhan.
1: Kind of worried he was going to smack her, too.
0: Right? And I wouldn't have put it past him.
1: And that would have been the thing that really drove her out of In I think
0: it was kind of, it was one of those final straws as it was. You know, no one likes me here. If that's the message that she's getting, then sure, why not go? It seemed like she had already put those emotions into play. Yep. She had already set up with the boatman and sent her letter, assuming, a, presumably, of acceptance to the, the library job offer.
1: That's what you do. If you want to make it through, you got to leave Ireland. We've seen it in countless movies. And so maybe that's uh, a, a movie convention about, about Ireland, or at least the stories we hear. It doesn't seem like anybody is telling these stories from Ireland, Banshees of Inish Aaron being a notable exception, even though Martin McDonough is Irish but was born and raised in London.
0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's a specifically Irish film. Maybe it's a specifically Irish form of comedy because I found myself strangely resistant to this genre. I kept trying to reposition this movie as a mind, in my mind as a drama, and it insisted on being a comedy, and I felt at war with this film the entire length of the movie.
1: Well, he, Martin McDonough did say that he wanted to avoid genre I mean, he's known for his Irish sort of gangster, sort of hitman kind of movies. Three Billboards was a decided shift. And with this one, he wanted to avoid it. You can, I could see Martin McDonough throughout in the sort of black humor. And so I didn't struggle with it, but I think it helped that everything that was appeared completely flat and dramatic on the surface. Like it didn't try to be a quirky comedy. It just was inherently funny. And I think that helped Kelly Ray out a lot, because if it were if it were terrible and bleak and dull and sad, which both of these main characters seem to be most of the time, uh, it might have been a lesser movie. And so I didn't mind that I found joy in certain things and humor in certain situations. Uh, Like what? Well, just the idea that he could just tell him and you could see the hurt on Parik's face. And his insistence, so where you, he's just like, okay, so we're saying leave him alone. He's obviously unhappy. He's potentially unwell. Dude, you're going back in again. And it was just hilarious. Like, he's like, no, we're going to be friends now, you know? And I mean, he's threatening his fingers and that's kind of like, you might want to listen to the dude or whatever, but I didn't actually think he was going to do it. Really? He So he, you thought, because so, I didn't see the trailer and apparently that's spoiled in the trailer, or at least he says, you come around me again, I'm going to cut my fingers off. And you're like, that's funny. Right. And then he throws something at the door. And I was so convinced that that was just an empty threat, a hollow threat. Kelly Ray all of a sudden goes, Whoa, like, Oh my God. And I was like, what, what? Cause I, what did he throw? He opens the door and there's a splat mark on the door. It's like, did he throw a tiny pie at the door? Did he chuck like a, a cherry tomato? And then it wasn't until he picked up the finger that I was like, "Oh right, a Martin McDonough film." And
0: so are you saying that Kelly put two and two together before you did?
1: Way before.
0: You were so insistent that it. You should have. I known. should have
1: known that it was going to go there, but it didn't. And so then, when he says, "Next time, I'm going to cut four off instead," I'm thinking, "Well, you can't fiddle with no fingers without the one we de- he demonstrated how well he could fiddle," but then for a movie where not much happens except the fingers the stakes went through the roof and the tension was unbearable when he walks into his house and sits down i was like oh my god he's going to do it he's going to cut off all four fingers this guy is insane and i was like don't go back in there and i'm trying to like gauge calm's reaction he's talking Oh, he's saying something reasonable. Maybe he won't cut off all four fingers and then walk around with a bleeding stump. And part of the problem with these characters and these like little island folk or whatever is that they're enabling the both of them. Well, I guess they're discouraging Podrick from further antagonizing in Colm's mind his former friend, right? But... When Colum goes all nuts and cuts off his fingers, he's bleeding all over the table and thrusting his little fiddle at them and they're like all playing merrily. Everybody's crazy.
0: So you were you found that funny or did you find that like me to be just gruesome?
1: It was, I mean, it was gruesome for sure, but I was, I did find it funny that going through the course of their little lives, they would go to such extremes. It like the grossness didn't outweigh the humor and the, and the, I guess the irony for me. Like I, found I was kind of strangely delighted. And I think I was strangely delighted until Jenny died. And I was like, what? Then I thought maybe for a second he was going to kill the dog. Pyrrhic was going to kill the dog and that wasn't going to be okay. But I didn't know if Jenny died. It seemed awkward that she would choke on a finger because donkeys are hardy and they chew stuff. But it seemed like the donkey died from choking on the unchewed finger as evidenced by the fact that Pyrrhic pulled pretty much a fully formed finger out of his throat after his death. But I thought potentially this was like an Irish gangster like message, like where you kill the donkey and then stuff all the fingers into its throat. And then it got that would have been too dark.
0: Well, I think what happened with Jenny, if you follow the trail of fingers, you can see it's the trail of fingers suggested (laughs) that Jenny had eaten all four fingers and then threw up three of them. Until her final resting place where she ultimately choked on the last finger.
1: I guess. That's when the movie got a little bit off the rails for me. I was like, is this supposed to be like a funny fantasy kind of thing? Because it didn't seem like a realistic donkey death and didn't seem realistic that everybody would be like, hey, Colum, How are you? Sit down and have a. you don't drip blood in your beer now, but otherwise everything is normal and fine today.
0: I think, no, I think that they all had, they all just watched in the same kind of stunned, horrified silence that we, that I did, where they were, what are they going to do? I mean, what is their, what is their recourse with Colum?
1: I don't know. Tear up their little, uh, like, overcoats and stuff and fashion him a bandage of some sort?
0: <laughs> or expel him or ban him from basically the only social place in the entire island?
1: Under even the pretense of, I don't want blood on the floors. Like, just sit, maybe... <laughs> maybe sit outside uh,
0: he was f- thrusting thrusting the fiddle <sighs> he was like conducting them with his stump but before we get too far from jenny i was asking earlier about jenny's genus or her classification as an animal because i felt like jenny was the animal personification of power his amiableness and his stubbornness it was like the character of hi- of of those qualities of Parik. And then when Jenny dies, it's the death of the nice guy and it's the death of his stubbornness, which becomes madness. Because Parik definitely goes crazy at the end of this movie.
1: Uh, I think both of them do. But uh, I think it's the the change is most clearly manifested in Parik because Colum, although he's undoubtedly insane maintains this facade of everything is normal which i think was the commentary on mental health where on the surface or like in smile everything appears to be fine or it's all turmoil underneath but i will agree on some level even between the two of them even if it's more overt in one character this was like the lighthouse level madness yeah. on both of their parts it got really dark But I I will argue, though, as much as Jenny can represent those things, I think Siobhan equally represented those things. She was, as we talked about in other movies, the kind of purity, the thing to live for, the... The The stakes. The semblance of normalcy, ultimately, that were Mm -hmm. the stakes. But I was so amped up by that. Like, I was terrified. Like, it was weird that in another movie one character deciding to self mutilate i'd be like that guy's crazy but in this movie it was everything i mean obviously parik was going down the tubes just in general of his mental state but it was the whole world the idea that he would cut off (laughs) his fingers and send this movie into a tail an emotional tailspin
0: and then parik's eventual arson is like the cherry on top I just don't understand how the arson was any kind of solution or what the resolution was on the beach.
1: I think it was just foreign. It was like the Nightingale where you got to end up on the beach and you're at a weird stalemate or whatever. But it was definite retribution, direct retribution for Jenny. So much so that Colum clearly understood it. Well, I killed your donkey, albeit uh, inadvertently, and you burned down me house. So I guess we're quits then. Then we're even. And he's like, no, we're not even. And he says the F word, but he doesn't say it in the Irish way, which is the only time that that it's used with a more English pronunciation. And
0: he's saying yet like he's English.
1: Right. And uh maybe and that was a
0: sophisticated use of the F word. Because
1: apparently in the uh, Irish vernacular, the feckin' is much more lighthearted. It's like freakin'.
0: Oh, it's not the it's not a direct translation, I see. They
1: say it all the time. In so much that on some channels or whatever in the UK where the movie would air, it's bleeped on some but not in others. It's just kind of a personal preference, but it wasn't meant to be anywhere near as impactful as it was when he used it on the beach. And that's when you know that he's not playing anymore. All the while Calm is appearing aloof and indifferent. Like where is he going to where is he going to stay now? And is it implied, like, Pyrick should have claimed the dog in recompense for Jenny.
0: I, fe- I think that would have been cruel and out of character. There's this lovely, delicate balance with all of these characters, how they demonstrate their cruelty and their kindness and their humanity. You know, it, it really toggles back and forth between them being horrible to each other and then them being really gentle and touching with each other, but I personally think that this movie would have had more resolution for me had Colum died in the fire and had Powerick kind of wandered off into his total isolation in his existence. With the dog. But instead, yeah, with the dog and maybe with his dairy cows. But instead there was this weird, unresolved, the fight still on kind of cliffhanger on the beach. Cliffhanger that left me that left me just wondering what this was all about. <laughs>
1: I don't know. It was a human story. It didn't have labels on it. Colin is clearly mentally ill. He suffers from depression. The priest to whom he confesses has the only inkling. How's the despair? He asks him. Well, it's getting way worse. Doesn't make the overt connection between the fingers and the self mutilation only relates to it as a sin and not as a condition of his mental health, but it could have been a different movie. In a way, it was more real that it was unresolved and that we didn't know what was going to happen because they didn't know what was going to happen because Martin McDonough didn't know what was going to happen. He said he wrote this thing and he went through several drafts. Colin Farrell said he wrote it like seven years ago that he read a draft that became completely different. But Martin McDonough said when the calm character said, if you come around me again, I'm going to cut my finger off every time. Martin McDonough was like, whoa, like, what's that about? And then had to figure it out. But it, I think it was more random than calculated. And it could have been tied up into a neat bow but I don't think it was necessary. I think this was written in a Stephen King kind of way where the characters are leading the writer and you're just sort of slowly uncovering or uncluttering the path that leads to the end of the work.
0: And maybe we're supposed to feel our way through this too and that it's not supposed to be intellectual. It's supposed to be emotional. And I get that. And I would say that from a filmmaking perspective, the Banshees of Inisherin excels. And so for that reason... I'd give it a good, but it's one of those rare good movies that actually, from a viewing perspective, is kind of boring.
1: (laughs) I almost got bored for a while, until the finger stuff started really happening. But I went into this movie knowing only three things, Martin McDonough, uh, Colin Farrell, and Brendan Gleeson, and that was enough for me, so that I was very excited to see it. And there was potential for it to get really bloody and really terrible, which in a very quiet way it did. Like, you're not sure why this movie's good, but I still found it, for the most part, a joyful viewing experience, even if I had no idea where it was going to go.
0: And you give it a...
1: So what I will give The Banshees of Inish Aaron is a clear, all right rating. I think it was a good movie. And while I can see some of its faults and while I was thrown a little bit by the unresolved matter of the policeman character and the witch character and the strangely clearly resolved matter of Jenny, that was kind of crappy. One thing I can say is this movie is absolutely unforgettable. If you'll never be like, what was that movie about again? Right. All you have to say is the two guys in Ireland and be like, oh, right. And he with no friends and the finger and all that stuff. And you're like, yeah. And then the donkey (laughs) and then the fire. It'll never leave my mind. And that speaks to its efficacy.
0: And there you have it. The Banshees of Inishirin. You got an unforgettable, unequivocal all right from Wes and a good from Iris. The Banshees of Inishirin a dramedy of exasperation where two relatively good guys just can't leave one enough alone and it becomes rather gruesome. The Banshees in the and available in theaters. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast. Please get in touch with us, 818-835-0473 or whatevermovies at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.
1: We hope you enjoyed this, my final episode of our podcast series, given that I've earned myself a million dollars and will now retire. Congratulations.
0: Electric acid. Country